You're listening to the Today in the Word radio podcast. This week, we bring you five messages J. Oswald Sanders presented at MBI Missions Conference 1987. J. Oswald Sanders was General Director of Overseas Missionary Fellowship and the author of more than 40 books on the Christian life. Now, here is J. Oswald Sanders on Today in the Word radio. My theme tonight is the crisis of completion. I want to try to answer the question, can the Great Commission be completed in our generation? Now, I'd like you to read a few verses in the seventh chapter of the book of the Revelation, chapter in which we see the fulfillment of missionary work. Chapter 7, verse 9. And in verse 9, you see what missionary work can do. After this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen, praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. A multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. This is the consummation of missionary work. The fruit of missionary work there in the presence of God, worshiping him. If I were to ask you, what were the last six words Jesus spoke on earth? Would you know what they were? They were these, to the ends of the earth. Those were the last six words Jesus spoke. And they give us a glimpse into his heart. After his resurrection, if you study the 40 ministry of the 40 days, you will find that this was the great preoccupation of our Lord, that the gospel might get out, not sit merely in Jerusalem, but in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He would never be satisfied until the gospel had been preached in all the world to all nations. Now, that's a tremendous task. Is it possible of completion in our generation? Or is it just a beautiful mirage that has been held before us and constantly recedes as we draw near to it? No previous generation has achieved it. Is there any sound basis, any basis in reason or any basis in the Bible 
in believing that we in this generation can do what no past generation has done. I admit that from the human standpoint, there's not great cause for optimism. But yet the church is not a human institution. It's a divine organism. It's not bound by human rules. The things that are impossible with man are possible with God. And our Lord made the categorical commitment, on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. Our Lord made that statement and I believe him and I believe it's true. And I want to be among those who are working to bring it to pass so that the great consummation, the coronation of our Lord Jesus Christ might be brought nearer. The greatest obstacle to the fulfillment of the Great Commission is a somnolent church. Now I know I'm speaking to the converted. You're not somnolent, but so many of our churches are somnolent, especially as regards missions. Many have got no interest in missions whatsoever. And I believe that until we see the church awakened, awakened to the urgency and the glorious possibility of getting the gospel out, that until that happens, this will not be fulfilled. There's a hymn we used to sing. I don't know, don't think you have it over here, but it runs like this. He shall reign o'er all the earth, he who wore the crown of thorn, whom they deemed of little worth, whom they met with hate and scorn, send the tidings forth that all humbly at his feet may fall. Long his heritage has lain neath the false usurper's sway. He will win it back again, rout the foe and win the day. Send the tidings forth that all humbly at his feet may fall. And he gives us the opportunity of sending forth the gospel and carrying it to those who have never heard. The great question comes to us, can the church be roused from her sleep of death? Can she be stirred to make a final assault on the strongholds of Satan? John Wesley, when he was thinking about the uh, completing of the, the, the task of world evangelism, said this, he said, I do not ask if it is compassable. All I ask is, is it commanded? I do not ask, is it compassable? Is it a task that we can compass? If it's commanded and God commands it, then it is possible of fulfillment. And John Wesley gave himself without any stint for 88 years or as much of it as he was converted to bring the gospel to people. Listen to the voice of history. The early church took our Lord literally and seriously. They gave unquestioning obedience to Christ. They went out and did exactly what he said without reservation. Jesus never hinted for a moment that the task of proclaiming the gospel to all nations would go on and on and endlessly and, and yet would never be completed. Of course it is going to be completed. 
Jesus never dangled before them or on, before us an unattainable goal because he said it could be done, it can be done if we are willing to throw ourselves into it without any reservations to. Consider some precedents of what has been done in the past. You read the book of Esther. You remember how the wicked Haman, by bribery and corruption, secured the decree from King Ahasuerus for the massacre of the five million Jews in the Persian Empire. And of course, when news of this came to Mordecai, he was greatly disturbed. And he moved Queen Esther to go to the king, and she secured from him a counter-decree that gave the Jews the right of self-defense. And when the king promulgated that decree, what did Mordecai do? He went and he got the secretaries, and he got them to translate it into the, 100, the languages of the 127 provinces of, of Persia. They had no printing presses, but they wrote out by hand. And do you know that within nine months, that decree was published in every one of those 127 provinces, which extended as far as India and many other places. Within nine months, that decree was published throughout the whole of the Persian Empire. Think of Pentecost, the little band, 120, or perhaps the 500 whom the Lord met on the mountain. They started far behind scratch. Just think of the strikes against them. They were few in number. They had little formal education. They had no prestige and no influence. They had no literature. They had no institutions. They had no transport. They had few financial resources. Powerful foes were ranged against them. Their treasurer had proved to be a, an embezzling suicide. Their leader had been crucified as a criminal. And starting behind scratch, what did that little band achieve? By every rule, that mission was entirely impossible. And yet before many years went by, you hear the heathen saying, these men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. My, they did something in their lifetime. In one generation, they promulgated the gospel to the then known world without the resources that we have. The same power of the Holy Spirit has enabled them to achieve that momentous task against those tremendous odds is available to us today. The Holy Spirit has not changed. He is still, he will still cooperate with all those who will conform to the laws of spiritual power. When the revival came, to the little colony at Hernhut in Germany, founded by Count Zinzendorf. There were fewer than 300 who formed the nucleus of the Moravian church. But when Count Zinzendorf died, that little church had sent out missionaries, 296 of them. And they went to 
Europe, all the countries of Europe, to Africa, to North and South America, to the West Indies, and to Greenland. In 20 years, they sent out more missionaries than the whole evangelical church had sent out in two centuries. And what was the inspiring motive behind it? It was the motto of their founder, Count Zinzendorf, who said, I have one passion, it is he, he alone. You know, when we have one passion, when Christ is at the center, when we are longing for his coronation, then we will be motivated to do more than we're doing now. Communism in 1917 began with 17 members. 1917. And now communism controls one-third of the world. Why? Because every communist is dedicated. That's why. The Mormons have 20,000 missionaries around the world, and they aim by the year 2000 to have 70,000, which would be about the equivalent of the total Protestant missionary force. Well, where do we stand? I'm not pessimistic. I believe that what Carl Henry wrote is true. He said, seldom in history has even the evangelical movement had such potential for world impact. It has resources of people, possessions, and established institutions, and a vast reservoir of moral and spiritual power. That's his view. He's a man who's well clued up too. And I believe that it's, it's true. When you come to think of the advantages we have over past missionaries, our generation is utterly and entirely without excuse if we do not evangelize the world in this generation. Think of it. We've got total mobility. My father took three months to go by sailing boat from London to New Zealand. I can go in 10 and a half hours to Los Angeles, stay two hours, and then go by 10 and a half hours to London, and I've gone around the world in one day. Total mobility. Parts of the world that were totally inaccessible. I know there are some places you have to get to, but I'm just speaking in general terms. The world has become a global village. We've got better training facilities. When did Moody ever have better training facilities than it's got today? We've got incomparable linguistic helps. Thanks to Wycliffe who have made available all their, their accumulated wisdom in this realm. We've got vastly improved health care. I told you this morning how very many missionaries died before they'd been two, week, two, two years on the field. But now, very rare that people die on the mission field. We've got ele electronic media that will do all kinds of things. You think of the computers and what it can do in translation. And you think of the frustration it causes to those who try to work them too. <laughs> but, but yet... What, what a wonderful tool we have in TV, in, in radio, and so on. Adequate finance is, uh, is available. 
Churches can find 20 million to build a nice building. There's no, there's no lack of finance. It's only that there are tight-fisted people, that's all. The money's there. Potential manpower. 100 Bible college students in America. And how many seminary students? More seminary students in America than all the rest of the world put together. There's no lack of manpower. The potential is there. And for the first time in history, the church has the tools for the task. Has it got the people to use the tools? Scripture asserts that some generation, there's going to be one generation that will be able to say to the Lord, mission accomplished. Here are people out of every tongue and tribe and people and language. Here they are, Lord. Some generation is going to finish the task and say, Lord, we have finished the work you gave us to do. Is it going to be our generation? Are you going to be involved in it in an active way, whether it be at home or abroad? I believe that the thing that stands, there's nothing that stands in the way of the fulfillment of this uh, command of our Lord, except the unwillingness of God's people to place themselves utterly at his disposal. The lacking factor is not physical resources. It's men and women, both at home and abroad, who are filled with the Spirit, who've got a passion for Christ and a passion for souls. People at home who will live on the same level of self-denial and sacrifice as those who go to the field. This is the kind of thing that is going to make the missionary enterprise go forth with power and with blessing. There's no lack of audience in the world. Dr. Cain said this not long ago. He said, never before have non-Christians been so open and responsive to the claims of Christ. Never before have more strategic openings been presented to the church. Unprecedented openings, even among the Muslims. There is a change. There's no lack of trained personnel Money is not an insoluble problem. The apostles reached their world with very little money. <laughs> their bag was empty when uh, Judas had finished with it. They didn't start off with very much. You know, Dr. A.J. Gordon, the, one of the, after whom Gordon Conwell, uh, seminary's name, he said, too many Christians practice extra corpus benevolence. They wait until death makes them give up their money. They leave it in their wills. And of course, it's a great thing to leave money in your will, but it's the surplus that he was speaking about, not, not the, uh, what, what is needed. He was speaking about the surplus. They, they wait until death makes them relinquish it. And then he said this, there is no reward promised for extra corpus benevolence, only for deeds done in the body. That's a challenging statement, isn't it? I wonder if one of the things we should pray for would be that God would stir up in the hearts of many Christians who have money, 
that they will see that this is something they should give to the Lord and see it working in their lifetime. Pray that much money that's tied up in estates and that kind of thing will be released. This is a thing, thing we should pray for. And who should be more interested in it than those of us who are interested in missions? The missing factor, I believe, is fully committed men and women in the homelands who are willing to give themselves not merely in short-term commitment. Listen. There is no such thing taught in the Bible as short-term discipleship. No short-term discipleship. Or there may be short-term service. No short-term discipleship. And if I am a true disciple of Christ, I am at his disposal from the age of my conversion until death. Where I go, well, that's in his hands. That's not my, 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 my matter to decide. That's God's concern. But there is no such thing as short-term discipleship. Let us get that fixed in our minds. I am committed to Christ for life. And he's the one who is to have the say, not I. Jesus said, you did not choose me. I chose you and I appointed you to go. And as you go, to bring forth fruit. That's what he wants from us. Now, in the early stages of this century, the student volunteer mission was, uh, movement was born. And they had took as their motto, the evangelization of the world in this generation. And what a scriptural motto that is. They had great men behind them, Robert Speer, John R. Mott, and how they went up and down the world challenging young men and young women. And there was a great wave of missionary movement. 10,000 went out in, in, on the, the crest of that, that wave when they had as their motto the evangelization of the world in this generation. But that generation didn't achieve it. And the fervor waned. And then God raised up the InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. And they took as their motto, evangelize to bring back the king. Well, what a scriptural motto that was. What is going to bring the Lord back again? This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached for a witness to all nations and then shall the end come. Evangelize to bring back the king. And then under InterVarsity Christian Fellowship, another wave went forward and uh, they achieved great things as the student volunteer mission did. But you know, you don't hear that motto now, even in IVCF, do you? Evangelize to bring back the king. I wonder if we need a new motto to galvanize this generation into action. I wonder whether mobilize for the last assault might be something that should ring in our hearts so that we will range ourselves alongside our Lord, so that in our generation, we may see his name honored and loved and exalted in all parts of the world. God has raised up significant parachurch movements that have made a tremendous contribution to the missionary enterprise. You've got uh, Operation Mobilization, Campus Crusade for Christ, Navigators, Youth with a Mission, and so on. 
many of these movements that have gone out into the, the all parts of the world. But one factor is that a great part of those who go are short term. Now, I am not against short term missionary service. They do a great, make a great contribution. But when you come to think of it, half of the missionary force today almost is on short term of two years and less. Do you think that this generation can be reached for Christ by only by those who go short term? I believe that the great need today is people who realize I am a disciple of Christ for life. I am at his disposal. Where he sends me, I'll go. As long as he keeps me there, I'll stay. This, I believe, is the, the, the thing that is needed today if we are going to see the world evangelized in our day. The can't, but of course, the task can't be completed by Western missionaries alone. How impossible. The, the national believers are the key to it, of course. But there they are calling for help in training and in training others. But I was very impressed. One group from Nigeria, I think it was, it was from Africa anyway, they said, send us missionaries of every kind, but please send us Christ-intoxicated missionaries. I like that, don't you? Christ-intoxicated missionaries. Are we Christ-intoxicated? Is that the kind of missionaries we would be? I, I challenge my own heart. Am I Christ-intoxicated? must be very mild intoxication, I'm afraid, as far as I'm concerned. I wish it were more. The role of the missionary is to be a, not only to do the task, but to be a trainer of those who can do the task, those in, in other lands. It's going to be the national church. You know, in China, they had no crusades. They had no church services. They had no Bible colleges or seminaries. They had few Bibles. They had no very little trained leadership. And yet, through personal work, personal witness, the church grew and grew and grew against all those, those obstacles. God can do that too. But you see, the foundations had been laid and the foundations must be laid. And one of the things that's happened in China is that where the best missionary work was done, there the fruit is greatest. And it's going to be the same all over the world. Dr. Winter said, the world is about to see the most concentrated effort in history. That's missionary effort he's talking about. It will be the final assault by the most potent missionary force ever gathered. Do you want to be in that missionary force? The final assault? Mobilize for the final assault. I believe this should be our thrust. The job will be complete when? When each Christian prays as he ought. When each Christian goes where God sends him. When each Christian gives as God prospers him. 
When each Christian cares as God cares for the lost. Are we going to qualify for that? In William Carey's biography, by the way, if you can get William Carey's biography from the library, you read it. What a man he was. But he here in his biography, it tells how there came to him again uh, a vision from God. And it reads like this. His earliest vision was to translate the Bible into all the chief languages of India. His Nottingham sermon, the sermon that sparked the modern missionary movement, came back to him. Now it seemed as if God wanted him to translate the Bible into all the languages of India. And then what he said on that notable occasion came back to him, and it was this. Thou shalt see greater things than these. Enlarge the place of thy tent. Stretch forth thy curtains. Lengthen thy cords. Strengthen thy stakes. Expect great things from God. Attempt great things for God. Dare a bolder program. Dwell in an ampler world. Launch out into the deep. God is able to do above all our thinking. The voice rang through him. The vision was blinding. Have you heard the voice? Have you seen the vision? Will you pay the price? You've been listening to the Today in the Word radio podcast and a message titled The Crisis of Completion that J. Oswald Sanders presented at MBI Missions Conference 1987. J. Oswald Sanders was General Director of Overseas Missionary Fellowship and the author of more than 40 books on the Christian life. Audio copies of this and many other messages from the podcast are available at moodyaudio.com. Join us next week as we bring you J. Oswald Sanders' concluding message in this week's series. Then we bring you a four-part series of messages from Philippians that Robert A. Cook presented during Founders Week 1982. Today in the Word Radio is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of the Moody Bible Institute.